Hey, good morning, everybody. How the heck are you? Awesome, awesome. I'm so excited. I can hardly stand it. You know, I always look forward to having a week off like I did last weekend when Pastor Doug preached, but I'm dying to get back in the pulpit. It's kind of a cool thing. You know, I get a break, and I think that's wonderful, but then I just can't wait to get back up here and be with you and see your faces. Um, it's good to be here with you. Hey, a couple things. Um, I was at a wedding last Saturday. I think I told you that if you were here last Sunday morning and uh, last Saturday evening in uh, wine country, Temecula, which was incredible. It was pretty funny. Um, when we left the winery at like 10 o'clock at night after the reception, they have this um, security checkpoint thing to see if you've been drinking, which is pretty smart, right? So you got to roll down the window and the cop asks if I'd been drinking. And I says, not since high school, sir. <laughs> and he laughed, but it was true. Um, anyway, totally fun. But Doug did an amazing job last week um, going through, yeah, <laughs> Philippians 2, 12 through 18. He just, he just tore it up. Just so grateful for him. Uh, next week, a week from today, we will be having our second uh, monthly service uh, at Heath, Texas in our church plant there. So that's next week. We had one in April. We'll have our second one in May. And then we'll do one, a monthly service in June, July, and August before our grand opening in September. So be praying for Pastor Chris and all the folks that are serving there as the Lord continues to grow that church and, and bring people onto the launch team. Uh, God's doing some amazing things out in Heath, Texas, so be praying. Uh, we have about 35, 40 women at, uh, up the hill at a women's retreat. Um, having a good time. My wife texted me last night about four o'clock and, and she checked in as quickly as she checked in. She checked out. She said she's got to go play bingo. And if I'm reading between the lines, there's probably some money on the line. So um, anyway, all fun stuff. Uh, and then, oh, also last week, if you were here for the Honduras luncheon upstairs, it was incredible. Oh, my word. We got to hear from all 11 people that went. We got to hear their testimonies and what God uh, did and saw some pictures and some slides. Remarkable. So if you were there, thank you. If you supported uh, anybody and, and were involved in, in the process of sending these people to Honduras, thank you so much. It was, it was amazing. I am really excited about today's um, passage. And a couple... What comes to mind is this. This is either going to be a, a, a good reminder for you, an encouragement for you for, for doing well in the context of serving and, and living for one another, or it's going to be a challenge to you to maybe step up your game a little bit, one or the other. So I hope you're either encouraged or challenged as we go through this last part of Philippians chapter 2. So if you recall from a few weeks ago when I preached out of Philippians 2, 1 through 11, we mentioned about being a Christian means being like Christ. If you remember, do we have that slide up? Do we have that first slide? Thank you so much. So from a few weeks ago, we talked about verses 1 through 11, that being a Christian means being like Christ. I'm getting some, is there some feedback coming up for you guys, or is it just me? Is it okay? The mic's okay? Okay, good. Being a Christian means being like Christ. And so be honest with me. When you hear that, does that seem hard for you? Maybe even unfair or unrealistic that we as Christians are to be like Christ. What if I said being a Christian means being like Paul? Does that still seem hard or unfair or unrealistic? What if I said being a Christian means being like a Timothy or an Epaphroditus? 
does that seem a little bit more feasible for you and for me? Would you say, wow, now you're speaking my language? Maybe you would also say, who is Timothy and who is Epaphroditus? We're going to find out in a little bit. Let's revisit Philippians chapter 1. Go to Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. Just real briefly, we're going to remind ourselves of some verses leading up to where we're at today. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, Paul says, and Pastor Day preached on this, he says, for to me, Paul writes, to live is Christ. His whole life is about Christ. Look at chapter 2, verses 3, 4, and 5, where we get to see what this Christ is like. Chapter 2, verses 3, 4, and 5, where Paul writes about Christ. He says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, which means empty conceit means empty glory. We're, when, we, when we do things from selfishness, it's for our own glory, and that glory is empty. We're to do nothing for our own glory, but everything for the glory of God. So do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with, with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own interests, but also the interests of others. Why? Why three and four? Have this attitude in verses 3 and 4 in yourselves, which was also in Christ. And so Paul says in chapter 1, verse 21, for me, I'm going to live like Christ. And this is how Christ lived. He had an attitude of considering and living for others. And then in verses 6, 7, and 8, it says further that Christ, even though he existed in the form, in the, in the essence of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to hold on to, but he emptied himself of that and he took the form of a bondservant. And he was made in the likeness of men. And then he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so when we see Christ living for others, what that means is he emptied himself of something and grabbed onto something else. He emptied himself of his equal equality with God and he grasped servanthood. And so for us to be like Paul, for us to be like Christ, it's going to require us to empty ourselves all the time and grab on servanthood. And because Philippians is known as the book of joy, that's what it means to be joyful in the Lord when we empty ourselves and live like Paul and live like Christ and live for others. Matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, he says this, that we, now that we know this, we're to fix our eyes on this Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith and my faith, who for what? For the joy set before him endured the cross. Who for the joy set before him put your needs and my needs before his own. And he did that out of joy. Mm. And then last week, so that was the early part of Philippians chapter 2. Then last week we hit the middle part of Philippians 2, where Pastor Doug pointed out how we are then to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, where we learn how to be like Paul, where we learn how to be like Christ. And that's mentioned in verse 12, that we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And then in verse 13, how we continually learn to live obediently for his good pleasure, not our own good pleasure. That's verse 13. How we are to accomplish our Christianity without grumbling or disputing. That was verse 14. 
And then in verses 17 and 18, how this will lead to rejoicing when we live for Christ and when we live for others and not for self. Interesting. So Paul points to himself, he points us to Christ, and then he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, continually learn how to live obediently for his good pleasure, accomplish your Christianity without grumbling or disputing, and in the process, you will experience joy. I love it. Today's message, if you saw the, the title slide, is, it, it's called Add a Little Extra to Ordinary. Hey, look, I don't know about you, I, I really, really, really just feel like I'm an ordinary guy. And maybe you feel like you're just an ordinary person. And the only difference between ordinary and extraordinary is just a little extra. We can do extraordinary things if we just give God a little extra just a little extra to go from ordinary to extraordinary. And many of you have done that. You just give the little extra you have and you give it to the Lord and he does extraordinary things with it. Perhaps for many of us, when we look at Christ or even at Paul, we're more intimidated than we are inspired. Does that make sense? We look at the life of Jesus, we look at the life of Paul, and we're more intimidated by how they live than we are inspired because we think, can I really be like that? And so Paul, brilliantly, at the end of chapter 2, he steers our eyes away from himself and away from Jesus, and he points us to these ordinary men, Timothy and Epaphroditus, to say, hey, look, forget about Jesus, forget about me. Let me point you to Timothy and Epaphroditus, Two of Paul's helpers in ministry. Two people just like you and me who are willing to add a little extra to their ordinary. It's so cool. Paul wants us to know that each and every one of us can live for the glory of God, the good of others, and in so doing experience the joy of the Lord. That's what Paul wants us to know. That we can live for the glory of God, live for the good of others, and in the process, experience the joy of the Almighty. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we, indu we indeed, Lord, gather here today because we just want to learn how to give a little extra to our ordinary so that we can do extraordinary things for you. We thank you, Lord, that we can look at the life of Paul and of Timothy and of Epaphroditus and realize, Lord, that we're just like them and we can do extraordinary things for you when we just submit ourselves to you completely. It's in your name we pray, and everybody said, amen. amen. Go ahead and put up the outline, um, and then we're going to read Philippians. The, there's, we're talking about two people. There's six verses on Timothy and six verses on Epaphroditus. Let's go ahead and read about Timothy and about Epaphroditus as we wind up Philippians chapter 2. So good to be with you guys this morning. Lord bless you. Philippians 2, starting at verse 19. So Paul says, I, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you shortly. He's talking about the church at Philippi. So that I may be encouraged when I learn how you guys are doing. Paul's been in prison for a couple of years. He wants to make sure the church is doing okay. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. Paul's in Rome. There's Christians in Rome, but he's saying, I got nobody here that will do this kind of service. It's pretty, pretty sad, actually. I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. They still needed to mature in Rome. 
But you know of Timothy's proven worth that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I myself will be coming shortly as well. And then he shifts to Epaphroditus. He says in verse 25, But I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier, who was also your messenger and minister to my need. So the church actually sends Epaphroditus to, to take care of Paul. But Epaphroditus gets sick on the way, and so then Paul sends him back because the church is concerned about Epaphroditus. So I thought it necessary to send him back, verse 26, because he was longing for you all, and he was distressed because you found out that he was sick. For indeed, he was sick to the point of death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. I'm already in prison, but I surely would have hated to lose my brother Epaphroditus. Verse 28, therefore I have sent him all the more eagerly, so that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less concerned about you. Is that just cool? Paul's in need. He's in prison and he's more concerned about the church at Philippi than he is himself. Verse 29, receive him then in the Lord with all joy and hold men like him in high regard because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. Two ordinary men, Timothy and Epaphroditus, that are willing to put themselves out there to do a little extra to become extraordinary in the eyes of God. Let me go over a few lessons that I really enjoyed from this stanza, from all 12 verses, to help us add a little extra to our ordinary. Here's some lessons, I think, for all of us. The first one is this, that we are to care. We are to care, as the screen says, by sending or being sent. We are to care by sending or being sent for the Lord. Look at verse 19. Verse 19, Paul says, but I hope in the Lord Jesus to send. Paul cares by sending or by being sent. Look at verse 23. Therefore, I hope to send Timothy. What he says in verse 24, I trust in the Lord that I will be coming as well, that I will not only be sending, but I will be sent myself, verse 24 says. Look at verse 25, but I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. And then look at verse 28, he says it again, therefore I have sent Epaphroditus eagerly. We are to care by sending or being sent. That's one of the ways that we can add a little extra to our ordinary, that we care enough to send or be sent. John 3, verses 16 and 17, we know these verses. God so loved us that he gave, he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. God cares and shows that he cares by sending and being sent to Christ himself. And look at John 14, verse 26, very similar about the Holy Spirit. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach us all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. God cares, and so he sends. We can care by sending or being sent.
Many of us know this verse out of Isaiah 6, verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? That's the cry for us, church. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us, the Lord says. And Isaiah said, here am I. Send me. Show up Thursday night for prayer. Answer in that way. Here am I. Send me. I'll go. I'll show up Thursday night and pray for an hour and 15 minutes. I can do that. Go for the Lord. We add a little extra to our ordinary when we care enough by sending or being sent. Hey, look, a few weeks ago, we, we sent 11 people to Honduras. They were willing to be sent, and many of us sent them and were involved in financial support to send them. And we did that very, very well. Some of the parents, there was three teenage girls that went, and so the parents had to allow them to go. They, they were sent, but their parents sent them and sent them well. The second way that we can add a little extra to our ordinary is to care by acting quickly. See, we can care by, by sending or being sent, but we're also to care by acting quickly. Too often, we know there's some things that we should be doing to care for others, to advance God's purposes, to serve in the church. But we don't act quickly. We say, one day, as soon as, soon as this ends, as soon as I get through this, as soon as this part of my career, I'm on the other side of that or whatever, we push it off and we push it off and we push it off. But we can add a little extra to our ordinary when we care by acting quickly. Look at verse 19 again. Verse 19, Paul says, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you shortly. I got to send him quick, man. Look at verse 23. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately. Look at verse 24. I trust in the Lord that I myself will be coming shortly. And look at verse 28. I have sent Epaphroditus all the more eagerly. We are to care, church, by acting quickly, not slowly. In Daniel chapter 11, 32, it says this, By smooth words he will turn to godlessness those who act wickedly toward the covenant. But the people who know their God will display strength and do what? And take action. We of all people are to be people of action. We're to act swiftly for the Lord. 1 Peter 1 verse 13 says this, Therefore, prepare your minds for what? Action. We're here not just to learn. We're here to prepare our minds for action. So we are to care by being sent or by sending. We are to care by acting quickly. And the third thing is we are to care by sending and giving our best. That's another way that we care. It's another way that we add a little extra to our ordinary by sending or giving our best. Look at verses 20 through 22 as it talks about Timothy. Paul is going to send one of his best to the church at Philippi. Verse 20 says, I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare, welfare. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Jesus. But you know of Timothy's proven worth, that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. And then look at verse 25 as it speaks about Epaphroditus. He says, it's necessary that I send Epaphroditus. He's my brother, he's my fellow worker, and he is my fellow soldier. 
So Paul is willing to add a little extra to his ordinary by sending the very best. The fourth way we, we care and add a little extra to our ordinary is by being a seeker. We can do all these things, church, right? That's what it talks about in Philippians 2, 3 through 5, about having this attitude. We can care by sending or being sent. We can care by acting quickly. We can care by sending and giving our best. We can care by seeking out opportunities on behalf of others. Look at verses 20 and 21. Paul says, again, I have no one else of kindred spirit genuinely concerned for your welfare. Why? Because they all seek after their own interests. But Timothy's not like that. Timothy seeks after, he looks for, just like Paul, just like Jesus. They're seeking after ways to serve others. They seek after their own interest, not those of Christ. In verse 26, about Epaphroditus, it says, because he was longing for you all. Epaphroditus was longing for the church at Philippi and was distressed because they knew that he was sick. So he's seeking after their, their welfare. These are some very easy ways for us to add a little extra to our ordinary. Very easy. Care by sending or being sent. Care by acting quickly. Care by sending or giving your best. Care by seeking after the things of the Lord. Luke 19 verse 10 says this, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Our God is a seeker. We are to seek how we can save and come alongside others. 1 Corinthians 10, 33, similarly, Paul says the same thing. He says, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, so that they may be saved. Mm, great challenge for us. So listen, church, let me say this. I'll say it twice. It is my hope and expectation, it is my hope and my expectation that you would be as devastated as I if Paul described our church the way he does in verse 21. That you would be as devastated as I if Paul described our church or any church as he does in verse 21. What does verse 21 say? For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. Lord, help us if that ever becomes us, if that ever becomes any church. Lord, help us. Right? Yeah. See, when you and I awake each day, whose interests do we find ourselves seeking after? When you and I awake each day, whose interests do we find ourselves seeking after? It's a great question for us, isn't it? So let's look at this Timothy, verses 19 through 24. Let's look at Timothy, which we, we can find him in 19 through 24. Let me just read those real quick. I want to send Timothy to you shortly so I can learn of your condition. Verse 20, I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. They all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ. But you know of Timothy's proven worth that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. So I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I'm going to come shortly as well. So what do these verses tell us about Timothy? Verse 20, it says that Timothy is a kindred spirit with Paul. That's what verse 20 says. Verse 20 tells us that he's genuinely concerned for the welfare of others. He's a kindred spirit with Paul, and he's genuinely concerned about you and about me and the welfare of others. 
Verse 21 tells us that Timothy does not seek the interests of self, but he seeks the interests of Christ. That's what verse 21 tells us. And verse 22 tells us that he has a proven worth, and that his proven worth is found in serving Paul and furthering the gospel. That's what his life looks like. What do our lives look like in comparison to Timothy? Who are the gospel partners? Timothy partnered with Paul. Who are the gospel partners that we have teamed up with? Are we serving with somebody? Have we teamed up with somebody? Are we, like Timothy, Christians of proven worth? <laughs> As verse 22 speaks of Timothy. Are you and I Christians of proven worth? I hope so. Many of us, I believe, are. Whose welfare... Verse 20 tells us, whose welfare are we concerned about? As Timothy was concerned about the welfare of many. Are you, like Christ, like Paul, like Timothy, genuinely and consistently concerned for the welfare of others? That's a great question for us. This is what it means to be like Christ, to be like Paul, to be like Timothy. Are we genuinely and consistently concerned for the welfare of others. How would you answer this question? Right now, I am genuinely concerned for the welfare of fill in the blank. Right now, who are you genuinely concerned for the welfare of? I don't have time to read all the people's names and situations that I'm genuinely concerned for right now. Some of them are here right now. Verse 19 shows us that both Timothy and Paul if you look at verse 19, that they, they hope for others. They find encouragement by others. They concern themselves with a condition of others. That's what they do in verse 19. They hope for others, they find encouragement by others, and they concern themselves with a condition of others. Look, I'm probably getting a little bit ahead of this. It's probably going to make Pastor Doug a little uncomfortable. But in the fall, we're, we're in the beginning processes of ramping something up in the fall uh, where we're hoping that virtually everybody in this church, we're going to do what's called a sign-up Sunday or a fall fest where we want everybody in this church to sign up for a serve team or a community group so that we can do the things that Paul does, that Timothy does, and that Epaphroditus does, that we can be concerned for one another and serve alongside one another and, and speak truth into one another's lives. That's what these are talking about so that we can all add a little extra to our ordinary. So be looking for that. That's going to take us months to put together but we're really excited about that. Let's look at Epaphroditus now in verses 25 through 30. So he says, it's necessary that I send Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. For indeed, he was sick to the point of death, but God had mercy on him and not only on him, but also on me so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I've sent him all the more eagerly so that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less concerned about you. Oh, that's so awesome. Receive him then in the Lord with all joy and hold men like him in high regard because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. So what do these verses tell us about Epaphroditus? The first thing it tells us is that Epaphroditus, according to verse 25, is Paul's brother, 
Paul's fellow worker and Paul's fellow soldier. Three things describe Epaphroditus. Paul's brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier. Why the threefold description? One's a family term, one's a vocational term, and one's a military term. Epaphroditus was a well-rounded Christian. He was in fellowship with his brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the first part when he says that he's my brother. He was in fellowship with Paul and others. The fellow worker means that he was involved in church work. He was involved in reaching the lost, advancing the gospel. He was a fellow worker with Paul. And the fellow soldier meant that he was prepared for enemy attacks. And one of the ways that we prepare for enemy attacks is we get on our knees and pray. We spend time in God's word and we spend time with one another. That's what it means to be a believer like Epaphroditus. To be brothers together, to serve and advance in reaching the lost and to be prepared for spiritual warfare, which requires us to be in God's word and be on our knees in prayer and to be with one another. The second thing that these verses tell us is that, the, that, that Epaphroditus was the Philippians' messenger and minister to Paul and his needs. He was willing to go into enemy territory. He was going to leave Philippi to go into Rome where Paul was in prison, where the gospel message was not welcome. He was just willing to go. He was willing to be sent. And the third thing it tells us in verse 30 is that he risked his life by serving and meeting the needs of Paul. That's what verse 30 says. He came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete the service that the church had for Paul. See, here's the thing, church. Epaphroditus was not a respected government leader. He wasn't an apostle. He wasn't even an elder at his church. His ministry didn't appear to involve anything dynamic Unforgettable or earth-shattering. Yet he was willing to be sent into hostile territory to bring funds to Paul, finances to Paul, and to minister to Paul. I want to discuss, before we close this up, I want to discuss briefly how these verses here also resonate for me as it pertains to our church. Look at verse 28. He says, Therefore I have sent Epaphroditus... Very eagerly, so that when you see him again, you may rejoice. That's Paul's concern for the church is that their rejoicing, their joy would increase. And that as a leader, they would be, he would be less concerned. Isn't that a great heart for Paul as a leader? That their joy would increase, that their rejoicing would increase, and that his concern as a leader would be reduced. We have that same desire at the Rock Community Church as pastors and elders and trustees and staff. I want you to know, I'm just so thrilled to say to you that our pastors, our elders, our trustees and our staff, they really sacrifice a lot for each other, a lot for me, a lot for you, and a lot for our Lord. And I know you know that, but I just can't make mention of that enough because I'm just so privileged to serve with them. I'm going to throw up a few pictures. And maybe you know everybody that's, that is an elder or pastor. There's our beloved Pastor John and Pastor Dave and Pastor Doug and then Bruce Cook and Russ Marsloff, two of our other elders. And then our trustees, you have Mickey McDermott and Brian Thompson and James Morris and Rob Selleck. And then some of our staff, Chris Rhodes and Michael Camarena, Christina Gramenz and Janetta Douglas. They just serve so well. They put a little extra into the ordinary and just do great things for the Lord. And as do so many of you, as do so many of you, 
I'm just so proud to serve with these people that serve you and serve the Lord and serve me so, so very well. Just add a little extra to your ordinary, and God can do great things. Perhaps, perhaps the depths of our maturity in Jesus Christ can be found in the reality of the verses that we just covered this morning. Like these men, even when we are sick or needy or in prison or whatever, we can still love, we can still long for, and we can still care for others. That's what these verses tell us. That in in spite of all the circumstances, Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus are still longing for and caring for and loving others. It's remarkable to me. Look, our maturity in Christ, as we all know, it doesn't happen overnight, does it? Our maturity in Christ does not happen overnight. In most cases, it simply begins with the act of serving And over time, like Paul, like Timothy, and like Epaphroditus, what emerges is the heart to serve. We begin with the act of serving. And over time, we develop a heart to serve. I just think that's a wonderful thing that the Lord does with us. And what a tragedy it would be to go through life and not be a blessing to anyone. What a tragedy it would be to go through life and not be a blessing to anyone. What a great challenge for us. And so I hope and pray that the opposite of verse 21 is true of us. I hope and pray that the opposite of verse 21 is true of us. Look at verse 21. That it would read for the Rock Community Church of Anaheim Hills, for they all seek after the interests of Jesus Christ and not after their own interests. Would that be amazing? For this church, for the church down the street, for the church down the street, for the church down the street, for the church and ch- churches in the other county. That's the stuff that we want to pray about on Thursday. That we would be one of every church that would not live for our own interests, but for the interests of Jesus Christ. And we can't do that on our own. That's the movement of God, man. Amen? I'm going to invite up the worship team. I'm going to pray for us. And then they're going to close this in song. And if you need prayer after service, our prayer team's available down here in the corner. Let's pray. Almighty God, we, we love you, Lord. We are so grateful to be here. Lord, we just want to learn a little bit more today what it means to add a little extra to our ordinary and watch you do extraordinary things when we do so. Lord, we trust you. We love you. We know that you have our best in mind. Lord, you want to increase our joy, and that's found in how we serve you and serve others and not serve ourselves. Lord, forgive us for the empty glory that we often pursue by seeking after our own honor and our own glory, but it's empty, and help us to live for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.